Welcome to the last Sunday of 2019 here at Faith, West, Faith Westwood. We're very, very glad that you decided to be here with us this morning. My name is Angie Washington. For you, for those of you who don't know me, I am not Pastor Steve. Um, he is a great pastor, and we're excited for him to come back, refresh from his vacation, and do return to hear um, his messages as well. Uh, so if this is your first time here at Faith Westwood, we're very happy that you're here. And if this is your 500th time here at Faith Westwood, we're very happy that you're here too. Um, you can come just as you are. I love that about this church. Um, if you've come questioning, full of doubts, full of fears, you are welcome here. If you've come here full of faith and strength and love, you are also welcome here. This is a place to be who you are and who God has created you to be. Um, and no matter where you are in that journey. So you should be applauded for dragging yourself here on the last Sunday of the year. It would have been a fine to stay home and those that are, no judgment, but um, we've just gone through wonderful Christmas celebrations and actually we're still in Christmas, which is kind of a cool thing about church is that the first day of Christmas is the 25th and it lasts for 12 days until the 6th when we celebrate the visitation of the Magi to Jesus when, the, when they brought all the gifts. So... Um, just a little introduction about who I am, aside from a member of this church. I am also a mother. How many other mothers do we have here today? Oh, a few. Okay, very good. I have five kids. Uh, my two oldest are in college, and then the other three are still at home with me. I am also a Nebraskan. How many Nebraskans do we have here? Okay, native Omaha, go Big Red, go Huskers. Um, I am also... Um, uh, a former missionary. I lived in Bolivia, South America for 13 years. I've been back for just about five now. Next month, we we'll have been back for five years, and it was an interesting time in my life. I'll talk more about that in a little bit, uh, but just so you know, I'm also human, <laughs> just like uh, everybody else here. I have my flaws, I have my failures, and I continue to follow a flawless God who never fails. Um, and I wanted to uh, go ahead and get started then with another time of prayer. I believe prayer is a great time to be formed, um, not so much God, give me this, God, give me this, God, give me this, but maybe, God, we're here to hear from you, and we want to be formed by you, and so just an opening, I, I view prayer as just a time to open yourself to what God might want to do, so while I'm praying, I would just ask that maybe you place your palms uh, face up on, on your lap, and you know, you can close your eyes if you want to. It doesn't, in, it doesn't improve the reception of radio signal or anything like that to God. It, it just helps you to maybe focus. It helps you to be aware of what God might want to speak today. So as I'm praying, just um, take whatever posture you, you're most comfortable with. And um, God, we're just here to receive from you today what you might want to say to our hearts. God, we open ourselves to your Holy Spirit, and we thank you that you are here present with us as we gather together. Um, we've had so much fun singing and, and greeting one another, and now, God, we just want to come before you and ask that you speak to us. Give us ears that will hear your word, and um, 
we just uh, are take a take up his posture of res- receiving right now because we believe that you've got something for us today in Jesus name amen um, I appreciate all the work that Donna's done to put together the service even in the absence of so many staff members she's done a wonderful job and I, I love that little uh, announcement that she gave about the different dates different things that happened in history I'm so glad that I am a woman standing before you with pants on and I was not arrested this morning so <laughs> that's a nice uh, a nice a, a nice segue into hey you know what things can change things can improve um, my message today is called when hope froze that's a little bit what the the children's time was talking about frozen um, and they did such a great job there andrew did uh, but there was a time in my life that i felt like hope was frozen like there was no hope it was complete hopelessness now i grew up charmed childhood no complaints whatsoever i had a wonderful trajectory into a beautiful career it's my one it was my one hope since i was seven years old what are you going to do when you grow up i'm going to travel the world i got to do that i i went and i was a missionary 25 years old landed with my kids and a husband and a beautiful life and we worked hard doing all the things that we wanted to do to help others it was it was great i really was living the dream as they say and we were starting orphanages we were helping uh, people at our church we had planted bible schools and and living in a third world it, it it earned me the right to make third world jokes for real <laughs> uh, it, it was it was a great time i felt so alive and so full of purpose and i'm an achiever i just know that about me i just know i get her done i that's what i do and and i felt like i was getting it done i had my my husband i had my kids i had my missionary career what more could i ask for and then things started to disintegrate and i was i was scrambling i was trying to make this work and trying to make that work and at the end i lost my marriage i lost my identity as a missionary and i had to return to live in the united states i didn't ever plan for any of that trust me it was not in my 50-year plan which i had it was not in my plan any of that that i had to go through and i came to the point where i felt like hope froze my dear little sister lives here in town and she was one of my crashing points for me when all was falling to pieces and i remember just blubbering to her just crying and i would tell her it hurts to hope and she would be like i'm gonna pray for you <laughs> i had other few other people in my life too at the time who were who who knew who knew they just needed to say i'm just gonna pray for you i know it hurts i know you don't have the hope right now and i'm just gonna let you be like that but i the, one of the messages that i wanted to bring today is i know what that feels like 
that hopelessness, that darkness, that hurt, to even consider that something might be better. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you're on the other side of a tragedy. And maybe things are coming together and you can say, yeah, I, yeah, that's, yeah, it's not great. Or maybe your life has been great and jolly and good and I am so happy for you. May it continue to be that way. Or maybe you've come to church on the last day of the year because this is your last straw. Maybe this will work because everything else isn't. This is falling apart and this is falling to pieces and I don't understand this and I thought it was supposed to work. I did all the right things and it's not working. Or maybe you did all the wrong things and it's not working. I'm, I'm grateful for everybody at every step in their journey that's brought you here today to hear this. And maybe you need to hear this for somebody else. Maybe this needs to be a message that you take back to somebody that you're remembering right now. Oh, they really need the hope of Christ because I don't know how it happened. I honestly, when I was putting this message together, I was like, okay, God, what's the one, two, three, four, five? What are we going to share to make people hope? And I really don't have that this morning. I don't have that step by step. Here is your magic formula because it's not a magic formula. Um, it is an enduring, eternal truth that we have. We learned that in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Um, Levon read that for us this morning. If you wanted to see that in the Bible, you can too. We, um, we have pews here. That's a church word that we use for bench. And we've actually included Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, but you want one, we've got Bibles for you to just grab at the Welcome Center. So um, we can make those available to you. But for the sake of this message and this time, if you wanted to grab that Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, we'll go back to what uh, Levon read this morning for us, and that's on page 1,152. 1,152, it says 1 Corinthians 13, and we're gonna go to the last part of that. Maybe you brought your Bible on your phone today, good for you. I love technology, I love bringing, bringing our faith in with technology, there's nothing wrong with that. Or maybe you brought your um, hardcover or softcover Bible from home and you can write in it. This is a wonderful scripture. So we read 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now these three remain. And what are the three things that remain? Very good. Faith, hope, and love. Three very simple words that endure, that remain, that are always, always, always constant. If you were with me in the summer, I had the honor of sharing a message about muddy love. Um, shared about getting our fingernails a little dirty as we, as we open our hearts to maybe loving those who have been unloved um, or have lived a lifestyle that maybe wouldn't uh, um, award them much love. We can get in there and we can love people just like Christ loves us because love is unconditional and unending. And we learned that in that, this verse that the greatest of these three is love. But included here, we also see that an eternal truth, a constant, is hope. 
So it's got to be more than, oh, I hope for a pony on my birthday, or I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow when I'm going to work. You, it, it has to be more than, than that superficial meaning that we use. There is a hope that is eternal, that even when it feels like hope is frozen, even when it feels like there is nothing going right, because Kind of one way to look at it is that circumstances, or in other words, the circle you're standing in, that's what circumstances are. It's the circle you're standing in. What's going on here and what's going on here, what's going on here around you, the circumstances do not affect the existence of hope. Hope continues to exist, just like love continues to exist even when things are rough or when things are beautiful. At all times, hope endures. Hope is there, even if it feels frozen and even if it hurts to hope. And so I couldn't put together a little one, two, three, here's how you get hope back. It, because I don't believe that's the way that God wants us to seek his truth. I believe that it is progressive. I believe that there is a calling. I believe that faith is a relationship that we build. And that if it was as easy as one, two, three, go to the doctor, get this prescription, you're done, we would all do that already. Please don't misunderstand me. I do believe there is a place for prescription and for doctors and for help when you need it. Go get those prescriptions. If you need them, take them. <laughs> what I'm... What I'm encouraging us to do this morning is more think eternally. Think what is that constant inside of us that we know of that is not determined by emotional fluctuation, that is not determined by conditional situations, that is not determined by failures and defeat and messed up stuff. That's why I wanted to also to bring in the verse that David wrote in Psalms, Psalms 42.5. If you wanted to go with me there now, I'll find the page number so that you can find it fast. 561 in the little pew Bible. Psalms is kind of easy to find, and I really like Psalms for a lot of reasons, but it's right, right in the middle of the Bible. You plop it open, and there's some really cool stuff right there. So if you're wondering, like, where do I start with this Bible stuff? Psalms are really interesting because it's written by David. He was called a man after God's heart. Um, he was a king, and he did lots of great stuff. But he was also able to pen his emotional struggles and put it on paper. Um, and what I like about this psalm, psalm specifically, aside from the fact that 42 is one of my favorite numbers, is that it shows us a man that's really trying to be honest with God. And sometimes I think that that's okay. Actually, all the times I think that that's okay. For us to be honest with God. Maybe things really do look hopeless. And I think God wants to hear that from us. And that's why sometimes we can borrow words that are already written 
to allow us to kind of open our hearts like I was explaining with prayer. So this is an interesting psalm to pray when you're feeling like that. So if you want to go ahead to verse 5, it says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And you can kind of scan through that whole chapter. It's not too long. Verse 7 says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And then it, and then it sounds like happy positive again in verse 8. It says, by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. And then we go into verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? So one moment he's calling him God is rock, and the next moment he's saying God forgot him? What? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And then again in verse 11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Doesn't that feel like an like emotional roller coaster? <laughs> One minute you're up talking about prayers and love and goodness and the, God is my rock. Next minute you're talking about anguish and agony and depression and uh, disturbance. That's okay. We don't have to kind of clean up our life in order for God to hear us, in order to merit God's blessing. If we were able to just clean it all up and then come to church and be all shiny, happy people and then be able to get God to like us, why do we need a Savior? If that was how it was supposed to work, it's not that way. We love him because he first loved us. Really, the church should be the most open to every kind of person who is seeking and who is searching and who doesn't have it figured out. Maybe for 2020, as we're talking about what we hope for and what we might want to include in our lives, possibly think about the people that are in your life surrounding you who might need to feel that welcome embrace of love and grace and forgiveness that comes from Jesus and bring them with you. Give them a donut or something. We have those here. <laughs> so since it's not a step-by-step, -step, one, two, three, easy-peasy Christianity that we have here, since it is a process and a relationship, I wanted to share with you a little bit about my story with my sister and the other people who prayed through. And, and somehow, I got here. Somehow, I am at the place where I'm celebrating with fellow Christians and like preaching and stuff. It's just amazing the transformation that God has taken me through from the point of, yeah, not having it, to, hey, maybe there's something more for you today too. 
And not only my story, I wanted to share with you a little bit about David from the scripture, and I've also brought with me today some videos to share with you about the stories of a, of a few different individuals. Our first video that we're going to watch, you're gonna meet two ladies. One is Crystal and one is Frankie. And as we're watching this two and a half minute video, I would just encourage you to see who you identify with most and why. There's not a quiz or an exam or anything. It's just to help you get in the right framework, a mindset while we watch. Um, is that okay to show video one? I grew up in New York. In my teen years, I kind of went on a different path and started to do things my own way. I started to date a young man and I wound up pregnant and things were pretty bad in the marriage. After that, we realized that it just wasn't going to work, so we separated. So once the divorce was final, I think I really, really felt the brunt of pain. My house was in foreclosure. I was deep in debt. The pain that I started to know was something that I didn't think I could handle. Uh, I became suicidal. Um, I went to take my trash out and the next door neighbor was leaving her home as well. And I was just led to go talk to her and she began to tell me what was going on in her life. And I, you know, I said, God loves you. I said, we all go through tests, but guess what? God is there to help guide us and lead us. She started crying and I said, may I pray with you? I wanted to encourage, strengthen and comfort her and I started to feel something that I hadn't felt in a long time. I started to feel hope. So I immediately thanked her, you know, for speaking that word into my life when I was at such a low, low point. It just basically sparked something in me to do better for myself and do better for my children. I started to attend a church out here. People were so kind and, you know, I found myself smiling again. I remember coming across a young lady at my job and she was distraught. And I remember speaking to her and saying, your, your life is not over. Everything is going to be okay. And I felt honored to say that because somebody said that to me one day. So sometimes it's great to speak to others and remember where you've come from and remember what God has done for you in order for you to bless another person. So Frankie and Crystal. Crystal was distraught. Crystal had lost everything. She was feeling to the point where she wanted to take her own life. And then what was she doing? She was taking out the trash. And what was Frankie doing? Oh, just walking along, just a neighbor out there. How many times have we taken out the trash and maybe seen somebody out there and just kept on about our business? I'm not saying every person who's taken out the trash is suicidal. What I'm saying is that there might be opportunities in your life where you're going to brush up against somebody who needs this little spark of hope, who needs to hear the eternal hope is real and that they can make it, that, they, that there is something more. And again, it's not a one, two, three, easy peasy. It's, it's being aware and being open to that. And if you are like Crystal today and you are at the end of every hope, 
and just completely lost, can I be your Frankie today and tell you it's not over yet. You are here today. In a little while, we're going to pray, and I want to pray for you specifically if you're feeling that hopelessness today. I brought another video with me about another group, um, another guy. His name is Peter. And as we're watching this video, it's about four and a half minutes long, a little, minutes long, uh, little longer than the other one. I would like you to listen for what Pete shares is that he does for a living and what is his job. So listen for what is his living and what does he do for a job. So if we could watch video number two, please. When I was around seven, my father started uh, beating us kids with a stick. Uh, my mother was verbally abusive, and growing up was more a time to be survived and endured than lived, which allowed uh, alcohol use and drug use in high school to start growing. When it came to Father God, the only way I could understand Him was through the lens of my earthly father. My whole life was spent medicating from those wounds, and that led up to a pornography addiction that ended in a massage parlor visit and finally I ended up confessing everything to my wife because my life was not going to change. It was then that God started meeting me through reading his word. God's forgiveness was infinite. To the last day of my life I still had an opportunity. I ended up getting a degree in mechanical engineering and finally ended up in the steel construction business. And at this stage in my life what I wanted was a different story. I didn't want the story to be about me as this great sinner and then being forgiven. I wanted payback on the enemy for what I had endured. And it started coming to me that helping others who have experienced some of the same pain, addiction. So people need help transitioning out of jail and out of their addictions. They need mentors. They need good places to work and they just need someone to come beside them along that walk. Uh, before coming to Summit, I never had a job. I was fresh out of prison, and I was pretty much confused about which way to go as far as a career or life in general. Not quite ready to, you know, I guess conform to the standards of society's normal way of thinking. I caught a couple violations. You know, I wasn't working out, I wasn't reliable, but for some reason, Pete saw something in me. It feels great because, you know, you know, when you stumble, there's somebody to help you, you know, stand back up. It makes me want to wake up in the morning and come to work because I know, you know, that there's something there for me. Went in and out of jail, in and out of detox programs. The struggle with the addiction and, and just behavioral problems, you know, I didn't know my direction in life, you know, and my identity. Pete has not only been an awesome uh, employer, but a, a mentor as well. He's given me a chance to gain responsibility as, as an employee. He empowers his employees, you know, to, and he brings the full potential out of all of them. Yeah, and dealing with uh, rejection in my life, not having a father figure, uh, Peter kind of helped me with that. And he went ahead and gave me a second chance and an opportunity to change my life around, which no one else would be doing for me. Um, well, when somebody gives me that opportunity after so many years of struggling and being on the streets and what have you, um, trust issues are a big factor and it's meant a lot to me as a human being, as a father, as a brother. We invite men 
into a larger story than the one that they've grown up with. The story that they've grown up with is one with very limited opportunities in life. I think all the ministry that we do is about, about inviting men to join us, to lead small groups, to help others who've been struggling with the same thing that they've overcome. My job is to extend God's rule and reign down here in this place. And that is what I live for. I live for changing the world where I have, can have an effect. Using the things that almost killed me, almost destroyed my marriage and my family, and help other men find the same life that I've got to live, that life to the full Jesus talked about. was able to take his truth and he, he didn't want to just sit there. He didn't want to just be forgiven and know, okay, I've got my salvation. I'm good to go. Let me earn a wage for my family and move on with my life. He wanted to not only make a living, but realize what his job was. Did you catch that? My job is to bring the kingdom of God, the rule and reign, the love of God here. He viewed that as his job. Yes, he makes a living. Yes, he's a still worker. Yes, he's, he's doing that work as well. And so this is encouraging for us. You don't have to have a microphone and a pulpit to instill hope in the lives of other people. Maybe you're just taking out the trash. Maybe you're just running your business. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you're a retired individual looking for purpose for the remaining years of your life. There is a way for you to give hope. And if you are at the end of everything, I would hope that today was a day of hope for you to hear this message, to know there is something more. There is good still. Um, one more story I wanted to share was a, is about an individual um, who wrote a, um, a hymn we might recognize. And, it's, and it comes from this Psalm 42 where we read about God being a rock. There is a, 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 a um, hymn that was written. You might recognize it. I am not going to sing it, and you can thank me later for that. But I am going to read the lyrics. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. How many have heard this? Him. Oh, okay, hands going up all over. Wonderful. I love hearing about the history of hymns and where they come from. This hymn was written by Edward Mote, and this is an article that I took off um, of a, a, a website, and it's written by Keith Ward to give credit where credit's due. He says, Mote was not brought up in a godly home and did not have the advantage of early exposure to Scripture. In fact, his parents managed a pub in London and often neglected young Edward, who spent most of his Sundays playing in the city streets. Of his theological upbringing, he said, so ignorant was I that I did not know there was a God. Eventually, Moat became exposed to the word of God and was baptized at the age of 18. 
This event, however, did not send Moat immediately into the ministry. He was apprenticed to become a cabinet maker, a career which he successfully conducted for another 37 years. Eventually, at the age of 55, he became a pastor of a Baptist church in Horsham, Sussex, where he did not miss a Sunday in the pulpit for the next 21 years. He resigned from his pastorate in 1873 due to ill health and died the following year at age 77. It was with this background that Moat wrote the hymn we have today, The Solid Rock. It was during his career as a cabinet maker that the hymn came into being. One morning in 1834, as he was walking to work, it entered his mind to write a hymn. By the time he got to work, he had the chorus. He wrote four more verses over the course of the day and two additional verses before he was finished. Isn't that lovely? A, a, a hymn that we sing to this day was written by a cabinet maker. He grew up in a hard, hard environment and then found his path to Christ. Um, like I said, I wanted to pray for you guys to finish off today. Um, as you're thinking about these different stories, about Edward, about Pete, about Crystal, about Frankie, about David, think about your own story. Where are you at in your story of hope right now? What are the circumstances, the circle is you're standing in? Is that determining where your hope is? Has your hope frozen like it was for me today? Let's pray together. And if you are in that hopeless place, I would ask that you just let the Holy Spirit breathe a little bit of his breath into your life and thaw a little bit of that heart and think if you're not in that place, if you are full of hope and peace, think about somebody you might be able to share that hope with as we pray. God, thank you so much for your word of hope, for your eternal hope. We know that your love is enduring and everlasting. We know that your hope endures, even if we don't feel it. God, I would ask that you would breathe into the hearts of every individual that's here today thaw hearts that may be frozen right now breathe your spirit of hope and life into each one of us god by your holy spirit i ask that you would give hope to those who may be considering desperate means as a solution to the problems that they're facing and may they turn their eyes to you our solid rock, and find open arms to get them through this hard time. Thank you, God, for your hope. Thank you for your hope. In Jesus' name, amen.